Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be back from vacation. I mean, it was fantastic, I have to say. It was good, but uh, we're, I'm so glad to be back, and Debbie and I are so excited to be back with you today doing our Summer Single Serving Sermon Series. Now, you say that seven times fast. Yes, that is a tongue twister, but we're in that, and so we're continuing in that, and it's very exciting, and I, I do enjoy that. It's been good to hear from Pastor Paul and Pastor Jordan and different ones. We've got such a fantastic team. We've got such a deep team. And it's just so good to be able to, to be a part of what God is doing in our church and in our city. So we celebrate that as well. Anybody else notice the change in the air recently? You, you kind of notice it more early in the morning or, or late in the evening. There's a, there's a bit of a, a crispness to it. There's a bit of a change. There's, there's something in there. And yes, uh, sorry to say, but it's fall that's in the air. And uh, it's coming whether we like it or not. It's fast approaching. Um, it's a beautiful time of year, though, with the, the transition. And, and I, just, I love it. It was one of my dad's favorite times of the year. I have to admit, I personally... I do love those long, warm summer evenings that just says chill. So I do love that. But, but with the change of the seasons um, come many other changes as well. Our activity changes, so much changes along the way. Um, it's time to get in maybe that last family vacation before going back to school and the things resume in the fall whatever that looks like in 2020, and your guess is as good as mine, so we'll see what that looks like. But uh, it's a time of returning in the fall. We return to things. We, we return to school, some of us, return to work. Um, we look forward to returning to in-person gatherings, and so we're excited about that. We recognize, we recognize that things aren't going to be the same. We're not returning to what was, but we're, we're looking forward uh, to what life is in our new reality. When we think about these things, when we consider the, the different aspects of that, for some it creates anticipation, like, oh, next season, like, can't wait. Well, my, my brother, he's like, he can't wait for hunting season. He happens to be a hunter, so he just loves that. Different things people anticipate. Other people, like another change, something coming up, a return, is like, there's some anxiety and there's a bit of tenseness to it. But we recognize that with return, there are things that we do, there's steps that we take to be able to return. And it's just part of the process. I mean, if it's school, you're, you know, you pick up your school supplies and maybe you go do some shopping and school shopping, whatever like that. But maybe it's, maybe it's getting a schedule set up. Maybe it's learning new protocols. Maybe it's arranging childcare. There's just so many different things, preparation that goes into return. Even in this weird world of a COVID pandemic, at Faith City Church, return looks different in 2020. It, it just does. It just looks different. But we're excited. I'm excited. We're looking forward to, to ministries. We're looking to fall sermon series. We're looking forward to, to different things happening and, and in, in, in new initiatives and classes. And, and it's all part of the process of returning. So thinking of returning, I, I want us to, to turn in our Bibles. I want us to, to look at a passage of Scripture and a couple different passages of Scripture in the book of Acts in the New Testament is where we're going to start. Jesus has been crucified and, and risen from the dead, and he appears to his, 
his followers, to his disciples. And I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 1, verse, reading verses 4 through 11 in the NIV. In Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4, says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him. They asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to return? Is this it? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he'd said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. That's a moment. They, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white robes stood beside them and said, men of God, I mean, I've got a sense of humor, so I'm thinking like they had to have had an English accent and so it would be, men of Galilee, why do you stand here? It's like, I'm sorry, it's just in my head. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I just want to pause there for a second and pray. God, we thank you for your word. I just pray it would come alive to us today. Lord, that as we, as we even think about return, as we even think about your return, God, that you will just stir things in our hearts, that things will awaken within us, that things will come alive in us as we think about the glorious day that you will return. And Lord, may it be something that we anticipate, but God, also something that we, we take steps towards and we prepare for and we believe for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm taking a course right now uh, on Pentecostal spirituality, um, and it's looking at the beliefs and practices of the very early Pentecostals back in 1906 and, and in that era, right around that time of when there was an incredible outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. God w just was visiting this planet in a supernatural way that, that was just incredible. People were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. They were, they were, people were prophesying. There was people being healed. Uh, there was rampant evangelism everywhere. It was like there was so much was happening as God came and, and ministered in the services and, and, and people were getting saved. And, and it was an incredible time of empowered sharing of the gospel. Churches were being started. And it was an amazing season. It was exciting. It was a turbulent time. It was a, it was a time of uh, both amazing things and, and some things that maybe are a little messy. <laughs> Sometimes it gets a little messy when God shows up. But it was a wonderful time. So those, pi those Pentecostal pioneers, they took this as a, as a sign. Like they, for them, God pouring out his spirit was evidence that, man, Jesus must be coming back like it could be any day now. Like, this revival signals God's return. Um, you know, it had a few, huge effect on how they lived. It had a huge effect on, on, on how they, they approached things. There was an urgency to it. There was, a, there was an evangelistic, you know, enthusiasm that was a part of it. They, they changed their focus. Their focus was more on the world to come than the world they were living in. It shifted their priorities. These, these 
Pentecostal pioneers, as you will, were, were experiencing their own outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they felt that the glorious appearing of the Lord must be at hand. Now, you might wonder, how did they come to this kind of a conclusion? Like, what was, how did they connect the dots here to go from what was happening to Jesus' return? Well, they read it in the Bible. I, I want to I turn to Acts chapter 2. We, we've read from Acts chapter 1. I want to I turn to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read from verses 14 to 21, and I'm going to go down through this story, and I'm going to pick out different pieces of it down along the way. But... So God has poured out his Holy Spirit and there's been this incredible, you know, manifestation of God and, and people in the crowd is gathered. And in the midst of that, Peter stands up and begins to address the people. He starts to talk to them and he says this in verse 14. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd and he says, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. He says, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The early Pentecostals were seeing their sons and daughters prophesy. They were, they were dreaming dreams. They were seeing people healed. They were seeing signs and wonders in their midst. And they made the obvious conclusions like, this is the last days. It was what they had experienced in the book of Acts. It was being repeated again. Now, I recognize that the book of Acts was written some 2,000 years ago. I also recognize that the outpouring of the Spirit in 1906, I mean, that was almost 120 years ago. And Jesus hasn't returned yet. I mean, that's not lost on me. I mean, I mean you, you train a thought here. It's like, that's, it's not wrong. Like, the, like, think about that. It affects us. It's like, it makes you kind of go, okay, well, what's going on here? But every day, that goes by, I believe we're one day closer to his return. Which means that today we are one day closer to his return than yesterday, and tomorrow we will be one day closer to his return if he hasn't returned yet. I mean, that realization alone should, should fuel something in us. It should stir something in us. The, the idea of an evangelistic fervor, an urgency, should affect how we live. It should cause us to take stock of our priorities. Jesus. It's coming back. I mean, if we think about Matt, uh, how this was going to happen and when it was going to happen, the disciples were like, you know, even in Acts chapter 1, they were like, okay, is now, is this when you're going to like do your thing and then we get to rule the world? And, all? and Jesus is like, no, you guys, you'll be given power, you'll be my witness and go change the world. He was setting the priority there. But, 
But even in another time, in Matthew chapter 24, even before this point, Jesus has been speaking to them. And in verse 3 of of Matthew chapter 24, the disciples come to Jesus and and he'd been explaining that that he would die and be buried and and go back to heaven, but then he would return to the earth. And they're like, okay, well, well, when will this happen? When will be the restoration of your kingdom? What's the sign of of the coming of your kingdom in in your return? And he describes many things to them. He describes wars and rumors of wars and famines and different things that would happen on the earth. And and I'm not going into deep detail of this. This isn't really a message about prophecy. That's not what I'm I'm into. It's like this message is about his return. But but no one knows the day and the hour when that's going to happen. And Jesus makes that quite clear to them. But, But that doesn't mean that we ignore it or pretend it's not going to happen. And he says, okay, so this this is what you should do. And so if we look at, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, he says there, he says this there. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. I mean, that's pretty good advice. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time in the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let the house be broken into so also you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Like, I'm talking about living in the reality that there will come a day when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, that the dead in Christ will rise from the dead, all things will become new in the flash and the twinkling of an eye, and things will change. Now, I'm not saying that His return is immediate. I'm saying his return is imminent. It may not happen tomorrow, but it will happen. It's the promise of God. It'll happen at some point, and it's something we can look forward to. It's something it brings hope to us. We can anticipate it, and we can count on it. Just like returning to school, just like returning to our fall schedule, just like returning to services at Faith City Church come with some preparation or some action steps, it makes sense that there would be some things that we can do in light of God's imminent return. If we look at what the early church did, and I would argue even if we look at what the early Pentecostals did, we can get some clues as to how we can act and live in light of his return. The Holy Spirit was poured out, God's presence was poured out on the day of Pentecost. God's presence was poured out in an amazing way on the crowd as they gathered and Peter preached his message in Acts 2. And then as we read there in Acts 2, Peter Peter preaches to them because they're like bewildered and it's like, what's going on? I read from that prophecy. But he goes on there and he speaks a gospel message and he says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart when they heard his message. And he said to, they said to Peter, he's like, what do we do? He said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for, it's for you, it's for your children, it's for those who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. So when I think about this, in the light of Christ's return, in the light of him coming back, number one, the first thing that anyone should do if they come to the realization and the conclusion that Jesus is coming back 
is to repent and accept him as their Lord and Savior. I mean, that's not number one. There's nothing more important that you can consider when you think about Jesus coming back. If Jesus is returning, and I absolutely believe that he is, then we want to meet him as our Savior and our Lord, not as our judge. So we repent. So that's number one. We repent. Then in verse 40, he continues to, to, to address them, and they said, with many words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them. He said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized in about 3,000. <laughs> that was a good day. About 3,000 people were added to the number that day. That's pretty cool. So number one, in light of his return, we repent. Number two, a second thing that, we're going, that was going on was that the message was getting out. In light of Christ's return, the disciples immediately began to share the gospel with whoever would listen. They shared their testimony. It, it parallels what happened with the early Pentecostals. The Spirit came and they were out in the streets. They were, they were preaching on the street corners. They were sharing their testimony with whoever would listen. They were, saying, they were passionate. They were fired up and they were spreading the gospel to the world. So in light of Jesus' return, we repent. And number two, we should be missional. We should be sharing the gospel. We should be living in such a way that, that people want to know what we have. And then it continues from there. In Acts, in verse 42 of, of chapter 2, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Amen, says Corey. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, to their number daily, those who were being saved. I mean, that's awesome. So number one, we repent in light of his return. Number two, we share the gospel. We get the word out in the light of his return. And number three, let's be the, be the church in the light of his return. I mean, I believe this is what they're describing here. What, what, what they're writing, what the Luke is writing in this account in Acts is he's describing the church and what they were about. It says that, that they were committed to, to the teaching of the apostles. That they were, so there was good teaching and they were listening to that. There, there, was, there was communion and breaking bread together. There was community and there was connection and there was commitment as they looked out for each other. I'm going to ask the team to, to make their way back as we, as we are going to transition into a time of, of worship. But listen, folks. Christ's return is as certain as the morning. We don't know whether it's tomorrow, but we know it's coming. And that's something that we can celebrate. That's something that we can look forward to. It will happen. But we are assured of that. And when, when he comes, he will gather his people. It says that, you know, the spirit from the four winds will, will come and gather the select, the elect of God and bring them together. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. There's days when I'm actually like, today would be good, Lord. Like, today would be awesome. Sometimes there's a particularly wonderful day and you think, 
today would work. Yes. I, I mean, I know there's things you're doing, like I know you've got the timetable, but today would be good. But we know that he will come. We have hope in that, and we celebrate that. So in thinking of that, let's think about these three things in light of his return. I want us to be thinking of these things. If we've realized, if we've clued in, if we've come to that point that Jesus is coming back, number one, let's, let's repent and accept him as our Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, you can do that. And we'll, we'll mention that later in the service where you can find out how to get information about that if you have if never done that, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You can do that. So number one, we can repent and accept him. Number two, let's get the word out why we still can't. Let's be fired up. Let's be thinking it's like, this is an opportunity. Today's the day. Seize the day to share what God has laid on our hearts, to share the good things that he has done, to share his faithfulness, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody that will listen. And folks, let's be the church. I mean, let's be the church. Like, let's not go to church. Let's be the church. Let's, let's be committed to sound teaching and learning and growing in our walk with God. Let's be committed to, to the communion and the connection of people getting together and celebrating together. Let's be committed to, to caring for one another's needs. And, and if we got to sell something to take care of somebody else, it's like, that might be a very freeing experience for some of us. But let's be the church because people, he's coming back. And it's going to be a glorious day. And we have hope in that. But there's people that need that hope that don't have it. And we can carry that. Can we just pray for a minute? I just want to take a minute and pray as we transition into worship. So let's just bow our hearts together. And God, I thank you, Lord, that there's hope. I thank you, God, that that we we can trust you to return. We can trust you that you are good. We can trust you that, that, God, you are for us. And God, I thank you for those that even today have decided to give their lives to you. Even today, they've decided that that they want to repent and they want to accept you as their Lord and Savior. They want to meet you one day as their Savior, not as their judge. So we celebrate that, God, and pray that you're best for them. And God, we thank you, Lord, that in light of your return, God, that you empower us your Holy Spirit makes us powerful witnesses for you in Jerusalem, which is, 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 which is us. It's, it's here in downtown. It's like, that's our Jerusalem. Like, you've called us to reach that. But God, the ripple effects of that go so much further. Lord, we get it right here in Jerusalem. And Judea hears about it. And, and then it goes from Judea and, and then it goes to Samaria and, and, the, and, and it goes from our city to our province, to our region, to our to our, our country, to our world. God, the gospel of Jesus Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God, help us as your church to worship you, to lift you up, to celebrate you. God, to be your church. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.